to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com thanks for tuning in sluts and scholars is a sex positive shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter while we love to give advice and resources please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I am welcoming Vaughn. She is the first artist to use her own orgasm wave patterns in pop music. Vaughn is the disruptor who has hacked her vibrator to change the way we talk about sex. Vaughn has music directed NAMI, how do you say this? Namelia's? Namelia. Namelia's AW2020 New York Fashion Week runway show, the first runway show to ever feature Pornhub stars. Awesome. Vaughn has also been featured in Vice, Nylon, Indie Mag, Hunger Mags, Noctis, and more. Inspired by the political agendas of Peaches to Pussy Riot, she dedicates her time to making art that dismantles stereotypes about sex work, sexist agendas in entertainment, and aversion to sex-positive dialogues. Vaughn places pulsing percussion and sawtooth bass lines under glittery synth riffs, so well said, uh, (laughs) and genre-bending vocal treatments to make music that defines sexual confidence as power Welcome, Vaughn. Thank you so much. That was lovely. I like do not know what any of those like descriptor words about music mean, but they sounded really good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's a good sign. <laughs> okay, so let's get into it. How does this orgasm wave music work? Yeah, so <clears throat> I started in music production, so like sound technology. Like I was just always a sound nerd. Um, so really, I was just looking for ways to like make just like make weird sounds um, kind of on the back end. And a waveform is like how you, it's, you know, the basis of a sound. So have you ever done waveform for plants? No. Oh, this is something I've been obsessed with lately where you like, I'm guessing it's similar to how you do it, but I want to hear how you do it for your vagina. But you put these like electrode type things on your plants and they emit a frequency. And so you can hear what your plants sound like. Oh, sick. Yeah, it's literally the same thing. Like a wave is just like, you know, anything over time. Like you can change all of the parameters. And because yeah. sound is amplitude over time, you literally can take any parameter and turn it into sound. That's like super of sick. any living thing or non-living thing too. Anything. It's just any any kind of like movement oscillation you can technically turn it into. So like for example, cool. like the vibrator I use, it's like contractions over time. So I just convert that into amplitude over time, which is what generates sound coming from that waveform. Um, but yeah, like lioness is a, they're super sick. They have a Bluetooth. Okay. Vibrator. We had, we had lioness on before, oh, and, sick. which is amazing. Okay. So for folks who didn't listen to that, what, what's their toy and how did you realize you could turn it into music? Yeah, they're amazing. Um, Liz at lioness has been so, 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 so great. And basically it, it's a Bluetooth vibrator that has an internal sensor on it. So when you have a contraction internally, it's recording all of your contraction patterns and I literally was just looking for weird ways to make sounds and came across, like, I was just like Googling shit and saw like a Bluetooth vibrator. So I reached out to them and was like, hey, like, would I be able to hack your tech? I have a wild idea. And they could not have been more supportive and were like, have a fucking go, enjoy it. Amazing. So it worked out. So I was able to like, they have, they have an app basically. So you can go on your app and you can watch all of your sessions back. So it literally shows you like a, 
a circle graphic of like what your contractions are actually doing on the sensors. It's super cool. And it's super like destigmatizing for like your own comfort with your body, et cetera. But I was able to then take that and like put it into my music software. And then from there, just kind of like mess around. And that's now how I make all my music, mostly just because it's, you know, it's a source waveform that that no one else has. So it's like from my, the sound nerd part of my brain, it's just really fucking fun. And then it, obviously it's just convenient that it goes hand in hand with like, you know, I guess, quote unquote, a political agenda that I care about, you know? <laughs> and does the raw footage like have a sound to itself or it's more just like the, it's the pattern? It's just the pattern. Yeah. So I change the parameters to emit a sound and then I play with all of the, you know, other qualities of it to shape like the type of sound that I want. That's so cool. Um, go from there. But yeah, it's fun. It's de- it's definitely different, but it's really fun. Well, I liked what you were saying about how using it in and of itself like helps you feel more comfortable with your body. How did it help you um, when you figured out this toy? Or I feel like... Tool, toy, so, uh, yeah. so many different names for it. This awesome thing. I feel like it just demystifies things. Like there's... So, it's so... Tab- I mean, as a kid, like it was the idea of like, you know masturbation with female genitalia was so fucking weird. Like it was just not talked about. It was like super hush hush, super like, you know, you don't speak about with anyone else, et cetera. So I feel like having a tool where, you know, you're watching it back and it's like, it's, it's, it puts it in a health context. Right. So it's like the same way that you have a Fitbit, but it's like, a vagina bit, you know what I mean? And I think that it, you know, the, the biggest issue I had as a kid is these things were taboo. They weren't part of health, which like it is part of health. It's a super, super important part of health and wellness. And so I think that changing like the same way, like I monitor my sleep and I monitor my diet and like what I put in my body, you monitor your masturbation patterns, I think is like, you know, if we can get to a normalization of that, it's so helpful for like the way that my brain has been like, this isn't weird. This mm-hmm. is this, you know, the same type of monitoring I do on all these other parts of health and wellness for myself. You know, I shouldn't feel so crazy about it. Yeah. And how did you go from a place of like having it not being talked about at all to being like in your childhood to being like, oh, I'm going to make music with this. <laughs> like, how did you <laughs> overcome the lack of sex ed? Yeah. I literally had a panic attack because I was actually with my, my parents don't really, they kind of know what I do now a little bit. They still don't really understand. Most of my extended family has absolutely no idea, but. What do you tell them? Like, I just make music. They think that I like work in music, which like to them is such like, no, my whole family was like mechanics. Like, no, that's so far out to them to say Devin works in music. Like they weren't going to understand it anyway. So they were just like, oh, for sure. Devin works in music, you know? Well, this is like a type of mechanics, right? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's not as far off. Um, But yeah, like, I don't know. I just, I remember being, I was with my family. We were in, in Wyoming um, on vacation together, just like my immediate family. And I remember I was putting out the first song that day and they had no idea that I was doing this. I was like trying to find service. We're like in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming. And I remember I had a moment with myself because I was like, you know, I was the kid in school. Like I was too scared to carry like a tampon to class with me because I was like, that's so embarrassing. Like I really was yeah. not comfortable at all. Even in college, when I first got to college, it was like, that is not the things that I talked about. I was like super, super uncomfortable in my own body and talking about those things to anyone else. And it was something I didn't like. I didn't like that about myself, but I didn't know how to like curb it. And I've always kind of been a zero or a hundred person. So when I kind of identify something I don't really like, I usually throw myself as far to the other end of the spectrum as I can and then have to figure it out. So for this, it was like, I remember sitting like in, in this room, in this house in Wyoming and I was like, well, girly, like it's going to be out in the world in three hours. So you better go over it and figure it out because now you have no choice but to talk about these things. It's going to become a staple of what you do. So 
I don't think that I even got comfortable. I think it was just, it became a forced thing I had to talk about. So then through practice, it, I just cared less, you know? Yeah. So you just like literally threw yourself right in. <laughs> yeah. I was like, literally like shake. And like, my parents were like, we got dinner in 20 minutes. And I'm like, uh, like checking my phone, like trying to make sure it posted. Okay. And- how did yeah. How did you get through that anxiety? Cause I, I like to tell my clients like how to find the balance, or I like to help them find the balance between like putting pressure on themselves to try new things that make them just uncomfortable enough that promotes growth, but also not getting to like a fight, flight, or freeze place where they're like getting flooded and like re-traumatized to where they definitely won't do it again or totally something that's like too overwhelming. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, I say this all the time even now, like I get questions a lot from people that are like, you know, if you have such a problem with the way this is received in mainstream media or with, you know, family members, people from your hometown, like, why don't you just make music about something else? And mm-hmm. I I would if I could. I'm the first person to say, if I can make music about something else, I would. This shit is so hard to talk about. It is so hard to, like, make it in music when this is your, like, front-facing agenda. I would 100% do something else if I could, but it's just, like, it is not what comes out of me. I care about it too much. It's just, like, when I make stuff this is what it happens to be about and i do yeah. think that so it's like def- your your vagina your body was ready for the shift but your mind yeah. wasn't <laughs> yeah i think that it was so it was so inherent to like who i was and what i was supposed to be doing that like it was obviously it's like nerve-wracking but i think i was also so excited like i had so much adrenaline of like you're finally stepping into this person you've always wanted to be and ultimately a person you have been otherwise it wouldn't it wouldn't work you know so i yeah. think that was like a saving grace for sure and how have the frequencies that you've recorded for yourself, uh, lo- how do they look over time? It's interesting. Like now I feel like, like I really, really feel like I've gotten to a place where I view it as such a health metric. You know what I mean? Like it's so, um, I've, I've really beaten my own taboo over that shit. So it's interesting, like not one ever looks the same you know, ever. Like there's never one session that is similar. And I think that that's so interesting. And so like to pull waveforms here and there, like, and I start to think about it now is like, it's, it's super not even connected to me. It's just like, you know, when you masturbate, you masturbate. It's a separate thing. When I make music, I make music. I forget they're even connected. It's just a tool that I use now, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that's what I was getting at. And I remember, um, and folks who are listening for the first time, go back and listen to the the Lioness episode, but they had kind of had categories of like different types of, of orgasm patterns, like you're a wave or you're a, I don't know, there were, there's right, some categories. Right, right, right. Um, and yeah, every time it looks different, um, depending on like how turned on you are, like how much you've been teasing yourself, like where you're at that day. So it's, it's cool to hear that that's what showed up like in your music science that it looks yeah. different every time. Yeah, it's not, it's cool and it's it reminds you too of like this is like a totally normal bodily function the same way yeah. like your sleep pattern is never exactly the same, you know, like your orgasm pattern is never exactly the same and like that's okay. It's normal, etc., you know. Do better orgasms make better music? <laughs> <laughs> like if you're like, damn, that was a really good one. Is it like, okay, this is going to be a banger. That's so funny. Honestly, at this point, I feel like I don't even know. Cause I like just, I have so many sessions on the lioness that I like will then just mindlessly go through and yeah. pick. So I won't even remember what they're from sometimes, mm. you know? Does it feel, does it feel like work or you're like, I'm just doing this anyway and it's collecting the data, you know? It's definitely like an, I'm just doing this anyway kind of thing, but it's definitely like, I've had like sessions before with people where we're starting to make a song and I like pull out the app to drag a waveform in 
Mm. And people are like, that's fucking crazy. And to me, it's not crazy anymore because it's just part of how I make stuff. You know, it's just part of the process. Yeah. It's become so normalized in my own situation that I actually don't even think of them as that. Like, like in one hand, I think of, you know, masturbating and making music as separate. And then on the other hand, they're like also very closely conjoined. Um, yeah. Kind of like a, a amalgamation of both. Mm-hmm. And how has it shifted things for you and your own sexual confidence, like since that day in Wyoming? Yeah. I mean, well, for starters, it's like, obviously when you have to speak about what you do, there's a base level of comfortability I have to have just to have the conversation. And so it's pra- practice. Such good practice. And you recognize very quickly if the person on the other end is comfortable or not with what you're saying. What's like the <laughs> first indicator for you when someone is like uncomfortable? It's like, um, it's the really wide eyed, like, oh, <laughs> oh, and then, like they like are looking for like a like they don't know how to like compliment or comment. So it's usually like, that's so interesting. And I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> but I feel like those responses are so important, you know? Like if every single person was like, that's super cool, I don't think it would be as necessary as it is, you know. Like I think that the mm. people who respond really wigged out and freaked out are just as vital as the people that give support, you know? Yeah. Well, and sometimes that like shock response is like someone's open to it, but they're like scared. <laughs> Totally. And I, f- I find that a lot. I mean, like the coolest thing ever for me, because I'm still like completely starting. Like I'm 100% like a fetus in the grand scheme of like having a career in music still. And like I had a bunch of friends from home reach out separately that were like, you know, hey, like I I need help like talking to my boyfriend about this one thing in bed. And like, I just, I don't know how to start the conversation. Can you help me? Or like another person was like, I literally like, cannot come during sex like what do I do and those little conversations are where like it like melts my heart because I'm like oh like I have been cemented as a person that people feel safe talking about these things with and we can like and I've also been given like credibility of you know not that I know all the answers but I can host space for us to find them and that's something I never had as a kid so that's all I could ever want to give to you know my friends and other people so that's where it like really makes me feel like I, I have those moments of a reality check of how far I've come just yeah. in like what other people see me as, you know? Yeah, just permission, like permission for the space. 100%. Which so can important. be positive and negative. I mean, I know for me, like they often tell uh, therapists like not to tell folks what you do when you're on like a long airplane flight <laughs> because it's like, I love that it gives permission uh, for folks to be themselves, but it's like if you're not in the mood or the space to be giving like free labor for advice to somebody or support, it sort of like people um, don't think there's a boundary around it when they're like, oh, you're comfortable with this? Like, let me tell you my life story. Like, I remember this woman Mm. cried in line to me at Sundance while we were waiting for a random movie. And we had spoken for like five minutes. But as soon as I said I was a therapist, she was like, I hate my husband and I don't know how to leave and just started (laughs) crying. And I was like, "Um, well, what city do you live in? Would you like some therapy referrals? Like, I am just here to see the movie. Yeah, you're like, I'm just like hanging out on a Tuesday afternoon. This is not right. it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I love doing it and sometimes I'm, you know, there for it. But like other times, so I don't know if that's happened to you yet, but uh, be beware. Yeah, whoa, shit, that's crazy. I mean, I, f- I feel like also it's th- the one nice thing is I feel like I have a, a quite a good um, boundary between like my professional persona and my personal life which has been really important for me. And again, as someone who's still a tadpole, I think it's vastly important to lay the groundwork for that. Yeah. So it is nice because I can kind of shut off like 
you know, professionally, if I'm like getting DMs from people asking for help, et cetera, I like literally give myself work hours when to be on the internet because otherwise my brain will like turn to mush. And then yeah, in my personal good. life, I you know, it's easier to navigate boundaries with people who know you personally, you know? Right. Um, but yeah. What feels most important to you about having that that separation? Because obviously you're giving a lot of yourself personally in your profession, but of course it's important to have the boundaries. Same for therapists, same for sex workers, like same across the board. Of course. I think that this, to be honest, I feel like I created a character that like I needed as a kid, you know, this, this, like this is a part of you, this like superhero version almost. Yeah. And it's like, obviously she's, there's so many parts of her that are real. If it wasn't real, it wouldn't work. People would sniff it right away, you know? Um, but yeah, she is like the absolute, like the, the, my most, my favorite parts of myself and my strongest parts of myself kind of molded together into this one person. But the reality is I'm not only made up of the strongest, best parts of myself. No one is. And so this character, she's so great because she helps me and she helps other people and she always knows what to say. And, you know, she like eats frat boys for breakfast and it's great. The reality <laughs> is like me as a person, I cry about boys all the time. Like, you know, I'm still figuring it out. I had, I had a situation happen where I had a guy that we like went out to drinks and we were going to go home together and he came back to my apartment and it was so wild. Like, we were like fucking around and then like he finished and I was just kind of sitting there like, well, this is like for me, you know? And like, if you go in my room, like my bedroom is like neon red lights or sex toys all over the wall. Like it is like Vaughn's room, you know, like you walk in there and it's like dungeon vibes. Yeah. And, but like, you know, this person is having a relationship with me, the real person, me, you know, like not the artist. And I remember being like, okay, like, you know, like, okay, it's my turn now. Like, what do you want to do? Like, we have all these things we can go with, like all these accessories, like, what do you want to use? And he like fully freaked out and went home and I felt so gaslit and crazy. And I like cried about it for like a week where I was like, oh, that was so weird of me. Like, why did I do that? And I said, oh, like, instead like, of like him being the asshole. Right. Instead of being like, that was weird of him. He was obviously nervous and uncomfortable, didn't know how to vocalize it. And like, but not nervous enough to not get his. Of course, always. Right. That's like how it always works. And I really sat down and had like a conversation myself, like with like, you know, I'm like, Dev, like, look at this. This character would literally be like, girl what the fuck is going on? And there's there's times when I have to have that conversation with myself, but I don't ever pretend that I'm bulletproof. You know, like I'm still learning as I go. We're all like, you know, unfortunately products of what we've been taught as kids and like still unlearning yeah. so, and relearning so much shit. So I feel like that's where the separation is important for me because it gives me permission that I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to have like, you know, no permeability to you know, still get upset and still mess up and still blame myself when I, when it's not my fault, et cetera, you know? Yeah. I love that. And, and for folks listening, I have an invitation for you, I guess my invitation would be, cause this is something, what you're describing is something I do with clients. Mm. And so we all have these different parts of ourselves. And I do think it's important to have these, I don't want to call them saviors, but like parts of ourselves that you can call on in different scenarios. And so whether that's a different part of you or a persona you've created or a famous person or a dead famous person or a person from history or someone from your ancestral lineage, like someone who whose characteristics you resonate with and feel like you need and want in certain situations and how can you, yeah, basically an invitation to see if you can call on that person in the moments, like even if you're not religious or spiritual, like, okay, Vaughn, give me strength in this moment to like <laughs> say, fuck this guy. I like need to, you know, be clear about my needs in this like sexual setting. 
so yeah, whoever that is to you, or maybe you don't know who it is, like just an invitation to see if you can come up with a list of like, almost like goddesses. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't want to use that word for the non-spiritual folks, but um, people that you resonate with that you can kind of call in their essence or power in moments when you need it. Totally. I love that. Oh, I love that. I, think that I mean, you're already so doing important. it. Yeah. And, I, and I, I really like, I feel like this, this project is just as much for me as I hope it is for other people. Like it's a, it's totally healing aspect. And I, and I feel it because it does, it gives you permission to not beat yourself up when, when shit goes a little haywire, but it also gives you like, kind of like a North star in, in a way to, yeah, you know, get yourself back together when, when stuff happens. Listen in for some good discounts. In this episode, we talk about sex and masturbation as a part of health. For those who need it, one way to keep your pelvic floor healthy is by doing kegels. Remember, kegels aren't for everyone, so check with your doctor to see if they recommend these exercises. Kegel exercises can strengthen orgasms, and they can also assist in bladder control and enhance sensation during sex. With the Intensity by Pour Moi, you'll be excited to work out your pelvic floor muscles. Intensity by Pormois helps strengthen all your orgasms by exercising your pelvic floor muscles. Pormois is offering listeners an additional $25 off when in with Intensity when you go to Pormois.com and enter code S&S at checkout. You can use this code along with any other code on their website. The Intensity by Pormois is a sexual health and stimulation device that looks like a vibrator, but it's so much more. It actually tightens and tones your pelvic floor muscles and vagina for you. It's like a trip to the gym for your pelvic floor. These exercises can really help a lot of different health needs, but again, check and see if it's right for you. The intensity offers both internal and external vibration, so you can actually experience mind-blowing pleasure while using the intensity. You'll actually want to work out when it feels this good. I love incentives to work out, so this device is really a game changer for me, and I keep it in my nightstand with my other faves. Intensity is also manufactured in the USA to medical-grade standards. Poor Moi is offering listeners that $25 off of intensity when you go to pormois.com and enter code S and S at checkout. You can use this code along with any other code on their website. That's $25 off on top of all ongoing promotions when you go to P-O-U-R-M-O-I.com and use promo code S and S. Pormois.com code S and S. And while you're at it, if pubic hair grooming is also important to you and your health, then listen up. Support for this podcast is also brought to you by Manscaped, the best in below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. And I know it's called Manscaped, but this product works on all genitalia. Now get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code S&S at manscaped.com. I've been using Manscaped since before they sponsored the show, and my favorite part is there's a flashlight attached to the trimmer so you can see what you're doing. I don't always shave or wax because shaving's not really comfortable for me, and waxing is time-consuming. It adds up and sometimes it hurts and not in the good way. So I really enjoy the trim that the Lawnmower 4.0 from Manscaped offers. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The 4.0 trimmer is also waterproof and I personally like using it in the shower for easy cleanup and pre and post shave care. You can customize the trim length. They have a wireless charging option and more. It's pretty fast and easy and fingers crossed I have not 
cut myself yet. So if you are looking for a way to get more summer ready, and that includes hair trimming or removal, then get 20% off and free shipping with the code S&S at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D, manscaped.com, and use code S-A-N-D-S, S&S for checkout experience premium grooming with manscaped now back to the episode and what's been most helpful for you or vaughn or the different parts of you to like find out some of these other like sexual things that you're interested in like how did you go from you know not learning about sex to having like sex toy laden room (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that honestly it it comes from like i don't know just accepting like that it's, I think there's such a fear, right? There's a fear that one, I don't know enough. So I can't know anything. Like I can't learn because I already don't know. There's like this, this perceived barrier to entry, which is not true. It's totally infactual. And literally for me, it was just like, I ordered a bunch of shit online. I just like found my favorite, you know, now my favorite sex toy shops and ordered shit and then like experimented alone. I think that that is also why masturbation is so important because it gave me the confidence with partners to yeah. say like what I actually enjoy and what I don't and how to, you know, say it in a way that's sensitive because it's such a vulnerable place for two people. Something that gets tricky, I think, a lot is like, especially with men, there's like this like mainstream kind of like messaging that it's fun to like tell men when they suck at figuring out female genitalia. And it's like, no, 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 no. That is not helping anyone, <laughs> you know, like that's yeah. also no one's fault. It's like every, cause every person's body is different. So regardless if you like are, are an ace at this one, this one is going to be different than the other. And right. I think that for me, it was a lot of like spending a lot of time alone, figuring out what I like and then transferring that to, you know, any type of partner and seeing how it works and how it enhances the experience to like confirm for me, even when I feel uncomfortable, like picking up this package at my door and like sitting alone with myself and being like, okay, I guess we're going to figure this one out. Yeah. It's overwhelmingly worth it. You know? I wonder what gave you the permission to have that curiosity to even take that first step. I think it started with the social spheres that I was putting myself into. Like I was actually in Berlin for four months. Like Oh, that'll do it. Yeah. I was sober (laughs) in Berlin, which was fucking wild because no one in Berlin is sober in nightlife, you know? And I was going to a bunch of sex clubs alone at night, dead sober, just because I was so... It started out as... I was just curious. I was like, what the fuck is this? And it was mind-boggling to me how... I watched like a range of generations, like 16-year-olds and like couples in their 80s that were so – everyone's naked around strangers and no one has their phone. You check your phone at the door. Like everything is there for you to feel unsafe. And I felt more safe and comfortable and respected in those spaces than I have ever felt at like in a turtleneck in New York City brunch, ever. And it had so much to do with the way that people spoke to me. And Yeah, or sometimes in a a church or wherever. Of course, yeah. And, you know, I would have like – a couple come tap me on the shoulder at the bar and be like, hi, do you want to have sex with us? Which I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And it's like, no. At the bar, you mean at the bar, just in turtleneck? Like, yeah. like in the, no, at the sex club, at the sex club. They would like oh, tap the sex club. Versus at the bar, it's like some guy your dad's age, like winking at you, buying you drinks all night. And it's like, Jesus, <laughs> dude, leave me alone. And the contrast of having someone tap me on the shoulder with personal space maintained, asking, do you want to have sex with us? And if the response was no, it was like, okay, great. Here, I'll buy you a drink. Have a great rest of your night. And no one fucks with me the rest of the night. And I just was so bewildered by like the lack of 
education we've had with comfortability and communication and why that doesn't exist back home or in any of the spaces that I was in, even in like metropolitan cities, it didn't exist. So when I got back to New York, that's how I came across Liz and Linus. I was just like looking for people in the sex tech community because it was still such a new, this is in like 2019. It was still like a very new buzzword. And I started like getting just coffee with a bunch of people in that space because I wanted to be the same way that if I sit down with this person, I ask, mask what I do. I watched them have to get more comfortable during the conversation. I was playing that role. Mm-hmm. So I would get coffee with these people who would have to tell me what, what they do. And I would have to, in these conversations, get more comfortable, obviously asking questions about what they do. And I feel like, you know, so much is like who you surround yourself with and who the, the messaging you hear every day. So I started to get more and more friends that this is what they do for a living. This is what they speak about all day in a totally yeah. comfortable manner, which then gave me the permission to, you know, have that in my own life or alone myself. Yeah. Have you learned about any other cool new things in sex tech? Oh my gosh. I mean, there's so, there's like so much going on. I think that honestly, it's like, I think it will permeate every, every space of pop culture in the future. I think that it already has, even people don't know. Um, and I think that the biggest, it's so interesting. The biggest conversation I get into with people that don't really understand is, you know, why would we dehumanize sex? I think that is the biggest misconception about sex tech and the entire, you know, sexual wellness and tech intersective space. Mm, say more about that. Like all of these, and, and I'm I'm a walking example of it, right? Like all of these gadgets and gizmos that freak people out have only enhanced my real human connections, like yeah. fully. And that is yeah, I think, not a threat, just an addition. Not a threat at all. It's 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 made it easier. It's made it more. It's made communication more seamless. It's it's made things for every person involved, like just a better experience. And I think that that is like the biggest messaging point that I hope to get across is like in doing this, I'm not trying to get people to like sit in their room alone with a robot and like never talk to anyone else. It's I mean, exactly if that's your thing, it. like, great, you can have that. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that's going to happen whether or not sex tech prevails or not. It gets parallel, you know? Yeah. Um, they're no, but this is so- something that helps us connect more to ourselves and to others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you ever recorded the waves when you're partnered with somebody in the room? Of course. Yeah. Oh, how does it change? Honestly, it's it's interesting how I don't even really notice a change because again, I think that when I, I've gotten to a point now, which feels so great, where like the pleasure I'm able to experience when I'm alone, I can, you know, replicate with a partner because I know now what works and what doesn't work. And, you know, what I say to friends all the time that are still like, ah, I don't know, like I'm still nervous and asking for certain things or saying what I like or don't like, it's like once you get over that discomfort hump, the experience is so amazing. You're not going to give a shit about the discomfort anymore. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it makes things so much, so much, like so much more worth it. And for anyone else involved, it makes it more worth it because, you know, we're humans. We like want validation. Yeah. So when you're doing something right, it feels better for everyone involved, you know? Okay, I'm gonna maybe you've already used this idea, but if you haven't, you have to promise to shout me out at oh, some hit point. Me with if, you, it. if you use it. Okay. <laughs> so <clears throat> story time. I was at Burning Man, oh God, this must have been five five years ago. Oh well. Wow. The last time I went. And so I was at this camp. Uh, it was like a kink BDSM camp um, that some friends of mine were with called Spankies. Mm. And so we were at Spankies just, you know, having a time and 
there was supposed to be a performance happening in like half an hour or something. And so everyone was getting ready to watch this. Like it was like a, some kind of musical performance, but it was a surprise. And so then all of a sudden you see this guy in a lab coat, like walking around and he was like, Hey, like our participant, like didn't get here in time from the other side of the, the playa, which is like the other side of burning man. Um, is anyone willing to volunteer? Um, and me being myself, I, I didn't even ask questions. I was like, right. yes, <laughs> Love that. Like, no, no, no. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't follow this advice if you're timid. Informed consent is important. So I was kind of <laughs> like, well, you know, yes. But, and then I asked for the, the information, right. but I, I was down. Um, and so it turned out it's basically the reverse of what you're doing for your music. So there was this woman on a cello, and the cello was connected to a vibrating, pulsating um, electrode, like amplifying dildo. Wow. It was fucking awesome. So when she played different notes on the cello, it would elicit a different pleasure response on the toy. Oh, my God. And so, uh, like, she, I don't know what the guy in the lab coat was. I think he was, like, a quote-unquote conductor. (laughs) And then you have this, I wish I remember her name. Like, shout out to Cello Dildo Lady. I don't remember your name. I wish that was my tag. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I need to look her up and uh, somebody find her and message me her info. (laughs) But, yeah, so she was playing the cello and, like, watching me while I had the toy. Um, So I didn't have control over it, but I I had control to say, like, what I liked and what I didn't like and to respond, you know, with my, my words and my body what things felt good so the different notes she would play would elicit different responses for the toy and so i i feel like you should reverse it and use your waves to reprogram it back to a toy so people can use your waves while they're getting off oh fuck (laughs) yeah i mean literally the, the coolest fucking thing about this seriously is like the actual possibilities of what can be done are so limitless. It's crazy. This this reminds me of this guy, Rudolf Arnold. He actually lives in Germany and we've kind of like become pen pals. And he's like probably in his late sixties. And he is, he's technically the first person to make music with a vibrator. He makes very like ambient, um, like very, very ambient, like drone like sounds, but he performs live with a dildo that vibrates and it's kind of like the same, a similar thing. And he, the, he records the music of it, of it live and has it shown and projecting. He like, wears it. And is it like in, in or on someone or it's just the vibrations? It's in him while he performs the whole time live. That's so cool. And he's like 70 (laughs) years old, like has like a full family. This is just like, you know, what he does at night, like his night job. And we've become like kind of pen pals over the years and he's really fucking cool. But yeah, there's so many options of like, ways to mix these things with performance that are like so limitless which is so cool wait this guy sounds awesome <laughs> he's great oh so great <laughs> literally so cool <laughs> wow wow um, i gotta check him out what was his name again rudolph, rudolph arnold rudolph arnold what do you want people to to take away from from your music i mean i feel like what what's interesting about like making making art with the intention of giving it away is once it's given away, it's no longer mine. I've always had that opinion. It's like, it belongs to everyone else. So in that way, it's cool. Like everyone else gets to have their own experience. And I think there's so far, there's been a range of responses. There's people that are upset by it, which I think is important. And there's people who have used it to have conversations with people that were harder. And there's people that just like, you know, get fucked up with their friends to it. And 
for me, all of those options I think are incredible and valid. And really any any response is valid because it's it becomes the ownership of other people now. Is it important for you for people to know how you make the music or do you just want them to enjoy the music? Or it sounds like that's one aspect you're comfortable with. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's important, but it's also so interesting. Like I've actually had people who are fans of the music because they just like hear it on a playlist or something. And then after finding out how it's made. Mm, and they like have, it more. They like it more or they like it less. Uh. And there's a differing opinion. And I think that that is so important, right? It's like, that's kind of why I also, you wouldn't know that I make it that way unless I said it. Like just off listening, no one would know that. And I think that's yeah. a super important factor of the psychology of it all and watching people respond. You know, why are, why do we feel that adds a a very like discomforting energy to it. If it was a song that you already liked, you know, why does it now feel weirder to you? And I've had that happen with a lot of people, which again is super noted and important and valid. Um, but I don't know. I think that overall, I just, I want it to make people have conversations about these things and whatever the jump starting point of those conversations are, aren't really necessary to me. Cause again, I don't have all the answers. I don't claim to be the expert or law. I just think that the problem is we don't have enough spaces to even have the conversations, let alone yeah. decide what the answers are. And what's some of the the negative feedback you've gotten and have you dealt with that? Again, I think it's so important. I have pretty tough skin. I also started this knowing that it would be like kind of controversial. Um, I mean, negative feedback ranges, right? Like I've definitely had people that lean more religiously say that it's it's really vulgar for no reason and you know, why can't you make music about like nice things and you know, <laughs> make music about sweet things and you know, I, I hear that. I hear like that. an orgasm and pleasure is not nice and sweet. It, well, exactly, right? It's like almost interesting that kind of like conundrum in and of itself to kind of call out when having those conversations. Um, you know, I've also gotten, which I think is so fascinating from like more like music industry people. Like it's always like some dude that's like, so I, I don't get it. You're just, you make music about sex. I mean, that has no longevity. You can't make music about sex forever. And I'm like, okay, so one, that's that could not be farther than what I do. I don't just make music about sex. And two, I can name probably 150 men that have only ever made music about sex and have had careers for like 30 years. So again, the responses are not as important to me as like the bird's eye viewing after the conversation of, you know, why there's so much intricacy in Yeah. And like who who do. was saying that thing? What's their MO? Like right. is it something you wanna take in as as like helpful feedback or is it like this is not someone that I'm going to reach? Or maybe they'll maybe they'll think about something having to do with this later on and have a conversation about it. Yeah. And if anything, it's fuel, right? Because I I've always said this, but like if everyone's comfortable with what you're doing, it's not that necessary. And I think that the, you know, if I get to a point where every single person is like awesome. Like, I think this is so great and so cool, super on board. Then it's time for me to do something else. Cause I do yeah. think it's always important to be pushing those boundaries, you know? I mean, yeah, the music industry in and of itself is obviously competitive and people have to deal with a lot of uh, rejection and things like how, how do you, how did you prepare for that? And, and how are you maintaining? Cause that's, that's tough. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird, it's such a weird space. Um, but I think, I don't know. I think it comes down to like, I'm really grateful that like I took time with my own like sexual journey and like understanding my own sexuality before I had any front facing artist project. You know, like I took time to get to know myself. I know who I am so deeply and I'm always going to be learning, but I have such a strong foundation of that, that, you know, if I would have, like I went to art school, I went to school for music, which is a super weird, such a weird conundrum art school in and of itself that I think if I would have, you know, 
release music in school, which is what we were kind of like groomed to do. I wasn't ready. Like 18 year old me, if I got said to, you know, if if 18 year old me got spoken to the way that I get spoken to sometimes by like religious women on the internet, I wouldn't be able to handle that. You know, like I wasn't secure enough in myself or in my opinions or my identity to like, you know, have that bounce right off. And now pretty much anyone could say almost anything to me. And like, I quite literally couldn't give less of a shit, you know? Um, But I think it's just about like, you know, constant reminders of what's important and success validators, like, and success metrics, like the numbers are always going to change. That's like life and that's a career. But getting a text from my friend from home, who we never talked about sex with, asking me to help, you know, proofread text to her boyfriend of how to talk about, you know, I don't know how to come. Can you help me? That's like, that's why I want to do this. So it's just like keeping the things that matter at the forefront of what I prioritize, you know? Yeah. And I agree. And I like that approach of, you know, that it's something important when there is pushback happening. I mean, if it's only pushback, I guess maybe time to maybe look at yourself, but (laughs) (laughs) you know that it's something important when it's causing some discomfort. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And it's an easier, like, you know, it it makes it easier when I go home to take that as fuel and motivation than to like sit in a slump for no reason, you know? Yeah. Well, this has been amazing. (laughs) I want people to listen to your stuff. How can folks listen to your music, get in touch, get involved, however you want people to uh, connect? Of course. Yeah. So my name is Vaughn and you can kind of find me on all of the, all the music places. Um, And then Vondom Labs is my website and kind of where I, I I feel like Vondom Labs is kind of like my community in a digital space, like my digital community center. And on Vondom Labs, I post a lot of resources and I have like an easy access to like all of my channels of of art. And um, it's a cool place to kind of just like get connected and learn about the stuff that I'm doing. And I also like to highlight there like other cool things that other people are doing or stuff that people should know about what we can't post on Instagram because it'll get shadow banned. Fucking Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Fucking Instagram. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah Vondomlabs.com is definitely a, a good launching pad to just, you know, if you want to kind of join this community of people or learn more about what I do. There's a lot of stuff there to sift through. Yes. And re-shout out back to Lioness. Go check out their, yes. their products and <laughs> listen to that episode to explore a little more about what they do. And so glad that you found them to collaborate. What a, <laughs> Me too. What a wonderful thing. <laughs> Serendipitous. It's it been working out really well. So I'm so glad. And listeners, again, if you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram, which who knows how long it will be there at Sluts and Scholars, <laughs> on Twitter at Sluts Scholars. And uh, you can listen anywhere. Obviously, you get your podcast, but please rate and review and check out the advertisers. The more you do that, the more it helps the podcast. So thank you so much. 